Have you ever wondered what Nicolas Cage's brother's been up to? Well, we found out what he was doing in 1993 tonight. We just watched Deadfall, so you know what that means. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! This is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent. I'm Brittany Green. I'm Liz Kurtzman. So, uh, what'd you think? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I am, I feel like I'm loopy and I, there's no substances involved. I just feel insane after watching that film we were only watching that movie for like two hours i guess and it had ads and it had so many ads and we rewound a bunch but it still actually only took us probably about two hours so like a two and a half hour movie (laughs) so because it was like two movies Mm -hmm. it like switched it switched about 45 minutes from (laughs) the end yes into yeah a different movie I don't know. I don't. I still don't really know what the plot was of this film, and we probably won't spend much time on it because it's nonsense. The plot is not important. It's not important. What is important is what the fuck is Nicolas Cage doing in this movie? So this 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 movie is directed, as you said, by Nicolas Cage's brother Christopher, Christopher Coppola, Coppola, and written and, and produced. Oh, I thought it was written by someone else. It was a partnership. It was him and Got somebody else. Got it. Okay. Well, um, they sure did make a movie. They sure did. So that's good. Um, I guess. He told... So he And it's a... It's, like... The only thing you need to know is it's a con artist movie. Yes. With an impressive cast. They're doing cons. With a pretty good cast, especially for 93 when you think about, like... Not a ton of stars, but a lot of character actors and, and, like, recognizable actors and some wild cameos. Yeah. Um, so when I was reading the, the cast list, I was like, wait... Charlie Sheen's in this? Wait, Angus Scrim's in this? Like, my voice just kept getting higher. Angus Scrim is only famous for you. Yeah, I know. He's (laughs) Like, if you're a horror person, you're like, he is a big deal. And if you are... But James Coburn is in it. Yes. Peter Fonda's in it. Uh Uh-huh. Nicolas Cage is in it, obviously. Obviously. And our leading man is Michael Bean. Bean? 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 B-I-E-H-N. Kyle Reese is in it. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, oh, we, we were talking about Nicolas Cage in this film, of course, and Christopher told him he could make the character look however he wanted, and, and he sure did. did. He. He, he, oh my god. Wow, wow, wow. The introduction of his character, he's like doing something strange in the background, <laughs> just making a bunch of noise, like, behind our main, our leading man, and then, like, you see his face, and I was like, already what is his what is going on because he has like a very obvious wig yes he has a fake nose fake nose he is always sweaty always sweaty he looks like if you watch it's always sunny in philadelphia he looks like a mcpoyle which is like this inbred family that like is kind of like a recurring a group of recurring characters that come in purely to just be grosser than the main cast. He also is wearing when he first appears a lime green suit 
with like a Hawaiian shirt underneath, like a yeah. very loud shirt, and he is doing some weird card trick, and just everything about him is, and the way he speaks, he it's not an accent. We could not understand. Him. We couldn't understand, and and Plex, which was the free shit, whatever app that we were watching it on, doesn't have the subtitles for it. I doubt there's closed captioning for this film. Um, we needed it, though. We needed it. I right. had no idea. The way he spoke was like, he wasn't taking a breath his whole sentence. Um, and, and he, he wasn't, also couldn't like, put his lips together. Yeah, he wasn't putting his lips together. Um, he would, I, I can't even, I don't even know, I can't, I don't know any of his lines, so I can't even demonstrate, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is, like, one freak out from this movie yeah. that... In my research, oh, the meatball man cage, the meatball man one, <laughs> which is not what he says, but is what I thought he said. I'll put it. I'll put the clip in here. What am I a fucking retard, man? Am I a fucking retard? Oh, I know what this is. Luke trying to stop me out because of his crazy little nephew being around. Well, vive la fucking France, man! <laughs> <laughs> I bet I was the last person you were playing on scene tonight, Get out! Uh, he uses some language that's not, like, acceptable in 2022 in that freakout, but... Yes, and uh, what Liz thought he said was, was are you a meatball, a meatball man? <laughs> and I was like, what's a meatball a man? <laughs> I like my version better. But yeah, it's like he is trying to get his lines out as fast as he can without taking a breath or closing his mouth fully. And it's like, he is in a different film. Because, like, he is doing this over-the-top bananas performance. Um, And then you've got Michael Bean's performance is pretty... It's pretty underwhelming. It's really bland. It's whatever. He dresses like he works at Target the whole time. Um, He's just, like, so... And I like him. Like, he's great at Aliens. He's great in Terminator. Um... He's really good at those parts that are sort of like tough, but also like a literal, a little bit like sensitive, you know. And I think that was sort of what he was supposed to be in this. Yeah. But there was so much else crazy going on that I was barely paying attention to him. Yeah. Just because everything else was just at eleven the whole 11. movie. Eleven. There was, was one to- scene when we first get introduced to, so you know, like broad strokes. Um, he thinks he kills his dad in a con. Michael Bean, who plays Joe, Bra- yeah. is a con man. And we open with, like, voiceover. Yep. A lot of voiceover in the beginning disappears for most of the movie. comes back at the very end. Honestly, like his father like leaves dog. breadcrumbs for him, and he, like, ends up with his uncle. And when you're meeting his uncle, he's being introduced to him by Nicolas Cage, and like, there's lines happening while this camera is just on Nicolas Cage doing crazy shit. Yes. Just, like, doing cocaine and playing with his gun and squeezing couches. Yes. And, and like sweating and his eyes are rolling back in his head. And there's, like, lines going on. And I'm like, I don't know how you expect me to listen to what's going on while you're showing me this. Or he's even just in the background while they're talking because he's, yeah. like, eating, chewing scenery. He is devouring the devouring. scenery. And he is a black hole for scenery. <laughs> and, like, Michael Bean and uh, James Covert are having this, like, very normal conversation. normal conversation. And I was like, I don't, as, as someone, as an actor, I don't know how you could possibly do a normal performance no. in the same scene as the this The entire man. time I'd just be like, wait, 
what the fuck are you doing yeah. over there? What is that? What is, what is, uh, Nick, what are we doing now? Like, I would just feel like, I, Chris, I don't know about Nick's choices. So my theory is <laughs> that Nicolas Cage was trying to tank this movie. It did. You said that. And I was like, oh, is he sabotaging his brother's movie? It felt like it. Like, it felt like just, I don't know what Bee's doing. Bee's causing problems. Plastic. We can address that. Hey! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, where were we? Uh, sabotage. Yeah, just sabotaging this movie. Absolutely. Um, Which, like, it didn't need a lot of sabotage, because... It wasn't honestly, very good, anyways. It wasn't very good. But, that's the very least what I can say. Is Nicolas Cage made this movie a movie I will never forget? I feel like maybe that's what he was doing. Is that he was like, this is a really boring movie. Like, he knew. And he was like, I'll make it exciting. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I will not rewatch this movie. No. But I might go on YouTube just to watch clips of Nicolas Cage's parts of this movie. Yeah, you have to. Because honestly, one viewing of his scenes isn't enough. Because I don't know what... I don't know what he said. I don't know what he was saying. I missed important plot points because he delivered them. And I was like... It's gone forever. There's no way to recover that information. <laughs> there were parts that we rewound so I could try to listen again. Nothing. And I st- didn't get it the second time. Didn't make any sense? And no. like, yeah. I still don't know who that man was that he killed. No, there was like a creepy guy following Michael Bean's character from when he was leaving to go to Santa Monica to be where his uncle was. This Irish and looking he's on the guy. Bus with a beard. And uh, he shows up at the strip club where Nicolas Cage is, and Nicolas Cage gets mad and storms off. And this guy follows him into the alley, and, like, they have a fight. And I still don't know who that guy was. I don't know. It didn't seem very consequential. No, didn't come up anymore. Nope. Nothing. He did get his beard ripped off, though. It was yeah, a fake he beard. did. There's I've... a lot of uh, fake hair in this movie. That's true. There is. There's a <laughs> lot of fake hair. hair. I think that's important to cons. I feel like if you're going to do cons... You gotta have good you gotta disguises. Have, you gotta have disguises. But and... Michael Meehan didn't ever have any good disguises. Well, he wasn't a good con man. They even just called him by his name. The people I know. Always... He was a bad con man. Yeah. We only saw him successfully pull off one minor con. Right. <laughs> that was it. They kept telling us he was good, and but we never saw proof. Well, he kept telling us he was exactly. good. Exactly. The movie kept telling us he and was good. And apparently his dad didn't, like, I'm skipping right right ahead. Yeah. Apparently his dad didn't think he was good because he didn't let him in on the giant con that he was playing on his son. Right. Yeah. So which means he was so gullible that, you know, he was able to use him as the patsy in the, in the con. Yeah. Successfully. Yeah. I guess that's the only successful con he was part of. That was, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even know. I just want to, okay, so I want to go back to the beginning when he, he he kills his dad, quote unquote, kills his dad, and there's the funeral. Can we talk for a second, too, about, I mean, we can skip ahead to this. James Coburn yeah. plays two parts in this. He does. He plays his dad and his uncle. Twins. And the way they differentiate them. Is the version that is his dad has, like, shoe polish hair. His, okay, it was looks, very funny to me. God, he looks like um, the cab driver ghost in Scrooge. <laughs> That's good. I was thinking there's two characters that like, reminded me of Scrooge characters in this. For James Coburn's characters, it's like they went with two sort of like broad stereotype criminal. Yeah. So there was the like uh, 
cigar smoking cowboy type um they both smoke cigars they though. both do but the one of you know when he's his uncle he's this like you know wearing um cuban shirts and like in this big office and he's more yeah. like a cowboy thing and cowboy, then he's a little less ski- I, they're both skeezy because they're right. both like con men but because his father is. is like he looks like he's from the sopranos he's got oh this God. like they made him look like he was heavier and then they gave him did he have a ponytail or just the black slick back hair i think he just had black slick back hair but it was gross it was very gross looking um <laughs> Yeah, true. We did not realize it was. This, I knew it was the same person mostly because of the voice and because I saw that James Coburn. Was he just play looked so weird. He looked really weird. It was a really weird choice. Um, I laughed so hard during his death scene <laughs> because he literally like there's blood coming out of his his mouth and his son is like no death and he goes blah <laughs> he makes that noise almost like blah and spits out a bunch of blood and dies <laughs> and I laughed. So hard at that. And then when they were at the cemetery, the man in the car. The man in the car who I think was Peter Fonda. That was Peter Fonda. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Now I can see it. Um, He, he, like, they bury the dad and he is in the car talking to Michael Bean who's standing outside. And he, like, delivers a important piece of information to him and then it's almost like he remembers that he's supposed to be sad because it's a funeral so he bows his head and sort of like pinches the bridge of his just nose just looks exasperated and it's for just a like, second <sighs> well see ya see <laughs> he drives off which in retrospect both of those could just be that like they were playing people who are bad actors yeah because they both, I mean, he was pretending to I'm die. I'm talking about the camera work at the scene at the oh, funeral too. The camera because work. Because we get a scene where they're sh- they're burying the coffin, mm-hmm. and um, I also realized that like they kept it a closed casket because they didn't want the cops to be looking into a shooting and yes. stuff, and that's very suspicious. Yes. So nobody sees the body actually yeah. go in. But uh, so there's this like scene that looks like it's being shot from below, and. Like, it looks like the headstone is in the ground with the coffin, and they're just, like, burying it, and you're, like, seeing, like, from the ground up at them, and I'm like, they must have shot this on a hill, and then you see it from the opposite direction, and it's, like, perfectly flat. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it? Why yeah. was... Why did you shoot this like this? There's also, like, at the, one of the first shots of the film is they're getting out of that car. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the um, camera's on the far side of the car focused on Michael Bean, but then like the passenger gets out and just blocks the camera with his body for a while and then the kid then the door's in the way and then it shuts and then it's like I was like, this is No not, time for reshoots. No time to reshoot this or edit it. Um and yeah, there's just a lot of really rough camera work in this. Or uh during the con we get like the first uh first iteration in history of the shaky cam footage. Yeah. And it's like I think that maybe the <laughs> Born Identity saw this and was like, we could do that. Absolutely. That's where it came from. Um, Just the shakiest of things. The ADR is so bad. Oh, the voiceover. Oh, the voiceover. It also, like, just doesn't make sense. He says a lot of things that, like, I'm like, I I don't know what that means, my guy. Yeah, he's trying to do the noir thing. It did remind me a lot of Dog Eat Dog in that way. Yeah. Except this one. No, they both had so was much there, exposition at there the was beginning. A, oh, yeah, there was voiceover for Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, too, but just right? at but the beginning, was, at the end, like yeah. this one. This one had it throughout. Yeah, but was, it wasn't enough. I was going to say, like, 
during, I would say, the middle and, like, towards the end, we don't hear any voiceover. Because I yeah. was so lost that I was, was waiting for it. It was heavy in the beginning, and then they kind of stopped doing it a little bit, but... Then he did I, it again with his uncle explaining the cake thing. And yeah. I was, ugh, yeah, anyway, we'll get But there. to be fair, that was halfway through the movie, Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, even when they were um, dubbing lines... Oh, man, it was rough. It was so obviously dubbed in, in so many scenes. And I was like, but we didn't dub Nicolas Cage's lines. Oh. We didn't make him do them again. <laughs> well, they couldn't get Nicolas Cage to do it. Yeah, fair enough. He was Probably. like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I did it perfectly the first time. Yeah. We also, okay, so I guess that there's this part in the funeral, too, where he thinks he sees his mother put a rose on... His father's grave? Or was it just yeah. another grave? His father's grave. Um, And then she's gone, and we were like, oh, is that a ghost? Is that Diana? I think so. What the fuck? Why? Why? Why is making him think of it? He sees his, his mom dad helping wants the con. to fall in love. His dad's like, I know if I choose a woman who looks just like his mother, he'll definitely fuck her. Okay, well, that is, <laughs> we, they need to unpack that yeah. forever. They need to go to father-son therapy and talk about that. <laughs> I think that's what we saw, though. I, it's so... That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I needed some time to process yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Ad there's break. no other explanation. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Because, because why like, else would he choose somebody that he thinks looks just like his mother to be, like, the main person trying to seduce him into doing this whole con thing? Yeah. And I, which is like when she puts on the red wig only like twice in the film. And yeah. it's like, what is that supposed to make him think of? Like, what? Do? do you think he went on this like weird trip because he like believes his mom is still alive or something? No, I don't think so. If he knew that his uncle had like stolen his mom, you know, then but maybe that was it would He didn't really. He didn't know, he didn't know that. He had an uncle. Right. Until he's read the yeah note. Because if he knew that, and then he saw, thought I saw his mom, maybe he would have been like, I should go talk to my uncle that I've never met or something. But he didn't know any of that. So yeah. it didn't tie into the plot at all. It was just like a, a little... Weird thing. A little weird thing, mysterious thing they put in there. Um, oh, and so that explains, too, that why Diane wasn't freaked out when... Uh, he had the locket, and um, she already knew that that was his mom. Yeah, so she wasn't like, I'm sorry. So she, like, <laughs> seduces him, sort of, but yeah. uh, he has this locket with a picture of his mom in it, and yeah. he lets her think for, like, a whole night. His mom, when she's young. an ex-girlfriend. So it's just this young redhead in his locket, and she's like, who's this, who's this, you know, hot piece, or whatever she says, I don't know. Yeah. Um, probably something like that, because that's how they talk. Um and he has sex with her, and then afterwards tells her, oh, it's not my ex-girlfriend. I let you think that, but it's my mom. And she goes, oh, okay. And you're I was so like, sweet. And I'm like, what? Wouldn't it be? You're red so flag. weird. Let me get out of here. <laughs> Big red flag. Letting someone, let a girl think that it's your ex-girlfriend for when it's actually your mom. Okay. Like he, Which is, I think, more fuel for my argument. I think so. I think you're right, unfortunately. It's like a whole edible. I don't like it, but it's very thing. edible. Um, it only could have been worse if that was his mom that he slept with. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, this movie had enough weird stuff in Yeah, it. we didn't need anything else. I also love the scene. So there's this, like, farmer's market scene that's, like, 
I guess, like, the heart of his uncle's criminal empire. But it looks like a Is farmer's market. men passing pieces of paper with numbers I back and forth to each other? so hard during this <laughs> because it was supposed to look like like, Joe is impressed. He's like, ah, I see what's going on here. And I'm like, this is the most obvious, like, where is the P? You know, like, under, like, the shell game. That's yeah. what it is. It's supposed to be, like, the shell game. But I'm like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, what's the, the, man what's could the have numbers gone on up. the piece of paper? We don't even know what the numbers are. But if there was, like, a secret information they needed to pass this old man who's sitting there reading a newspaper, he could have walked up to the pretzel guy, and the pretzel guy could have just slipped it into his change. Yeah. I don't know. It made me laugh because it was just so. It was just members of his same organization passing pieces of paper back within and ten feet of each other, other. not yeah. like going to different locations. They're just yeah. in like a t- maybe twenty foot farmers market esque like place where there's different stalls and with like all... a pretzel guy and a pizza guy and a vegetable stand and like just a diner like... and they're all just like, ooh, who's got it now? <laughs> I'm like that guy does. I can see it. <laughs> It was wild. And that's when a wild cage appeared. That's, that's what I wrote. That's when... I wrote in capital letters, a wild cage appears, because his arm just shot out from behind And Joe. he, like, does something with these cards that sounds like he's shaking a chain-link fence. Yeah, it was crazy. And he did... So he does this card trick throughout, and he always is, like... He always gets people to pull the Joker. Because the is, entire deck is and jokers. And we find out the whole deck is jokers. Which is a bad card trick. No, yeah. It's not a good card trick. <laughs> I... We later see, like, the main guy, like, trying to guess what's next in an entire deck of cards. Yeah. And he, like, okay, gets a lot. Hear me out. This is the thing that I... So there's an important plot point with billiards in this movie. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of <laughs> important. Kind of inserted. But shouldn't it have been like a card game? That would have uh, been more thematically. Yes. It also would have possibly been a game that anybody understands. <laughs> that was. There can be no tension in the audience if no one understands how billiards works. Yeah. None of, we were watching him and knock like, this ball around going, I don't, did he, what is, how do you win? Did he, did he get a point? <laughs> how many points do you need? What, what now? Because I have no idea. It's like British billiards, where it's like, there's no holes on the table or anything, and I don't even know, I've never seen a table like that in real life. I've only, like, heard it described in books. Yes. (laughs) And so, we thought that they were like, I mean, I, I didn't know what was going on, so I assumed that they were about even, and then they go to the scoreboard, and my man has one point. And Charlie Sheen has, like, 24 points. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I I knew that they were setting him up to lose because we do get in the previous scene. He says, how are you at billiards? And he says, not great. And he's yeah. like, perfect. Um, what but stupid, stupid plot point that was. Because, okay, so the plot sort but of... It was, yeah, it was unnecessary. Sort of the plot is he, his dad dies... He finds this letter from his dad that talks about his regrets with his brother, his Uncle Lou, which he didn't even know about, and the cake. There was this cake, and he didn't know what cake meant. So he goes to infiltrate, get into Uncle Lou's good graces. Uh, He does that. And so for me, the arc of the movie, the climax should be, like, figuring out what the cake is, or, like... And the cake is just a ring box. It's just a fucking ring box that 
And they tell you in a voiceover. He says that in the voiceover. And it's the most anticlimactic reveal. He's just like, yeah, it turns out the cake was this carved wooden box that Uncle Lou wanted to give to my mom because he was in love with her first. And then my dad stole her. And gosh, isn't that sad? Anyway, here's a job for you to do. And suddenly we pivot with 30 minutes left in the movie that they have to get this mob or this crime boss to try and buy diamonds. But first he has to play... Uh, Charlie Sheen and Billiards. And I was like, this is like, if you follow the normal arc of a movie and like at this point you hit these beats, at this point you hit this beat. We were pivoting into a new story when we should have been hitting the climax. Oh, yeah. And so it was just, that's what made it feel so long, I think, because we were like, we don't know where we're going now. At that point, they figured the out main the antagonist was, that, was, uh, that we prepared. had was dead and we didn't know what was happening. Should we talk about the the diamond guy? Well, we haven't really let's, fully let's talked fit, about yeah, Charlie Let's keep Sheen. talking about Char- well, first, Charlie. First, oh, we Sheen haven't even finished Charlie Billiards expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, re- I was just like, is it, man, a gay vampire? Like, Rambling was... about Mark Twain and oh my God. telling us shapes. And... He, now, do you think that he and Nicolas Cage felt like they were in the same movie? Or was it a different... It was weird. all of the villains are in the same movie. Yeah. If you count Charlie Sheen also as a villain. Yeah. So, Nicolas Cage, Charlie Sheen, and the diamond guy. Angus Grimm. Angus Grimm. Grimm? Scrim. Yeah. All all of them are insane over the top. Everybody else in this movie is in, like, just a regular... Kind of boring movie. Regular sort of crime movie. And the rest of them are in a James Bond movie. Yes, they were all... Like a 60s James Bond movie. Yeah, that's what... uh, Angus Scrim plays Dr. Lime in the movie. And he has a fucking, like... Crab claw. Like, gold... mechanical... Like, lobster claw, scissor sort of thing on his... He has no arm. He's got that. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And also, Angus Scrim <laughs> is, uh, for horror people, he plays the tall man in the Phantasm movies, which they do have a reference to Phantasm in the scene that made me laugh. Um, but, and he has so this deep, sort of sonorous voice. He's very dramatic. He's very, like, an imposing figure. And he's sitting in this room that is a super villain like home base it is all shiny metal walls everything glass chairs uh big silver balls which is the phantasm reference um you've got like i don't know stuffed animals around like taxidermied animals you also have these like women who are all you know like dressed in the like super sexy um oh yeah the lady with the, the long pointer finger long pointer finger nails the rest of them were short it was like a reverse coke nail situation but charlie um, sheen had a coke nail that was charlie sheen <laughs> that was just charlie sheen's actual coke <laughs> yeah, nail I think so. um and he's sitting in there and i was like this man is a james bond he's a he's a bond villain like he said that's rambling what he's doing about mark twain and he likes mark twain and yeah it's just geometry really yeah and triangles <laughs> Isosceles triangles, <laughs> pentagrams, God. It's all geometry, really. Isosceles triangles, pentagons, octagons, etc., etc. <laughs> but that 
shapes are. You did it, buddy. <laughs> Good <Got> job. <laughs> and he's got on this like pink spangled tuxedo jacket. Shiny. And then he's got a like one of those. It's almost like an archery glove because his. his it's like a billiards glove. Is it? I didn't yeah. know there were special billiards gloves. Yeah, until it's so this that the moment. thing slides easier in your hand. Yeah, so yeah. it's covering for those of us who didn't know. It covers his thumb, his pinky, and his ring finger, and leaves the other two fingers there. Yeah. And so he's got this dramatic like black glove situation, and then the two fingernails we can see are like glittery long. Acrylic nails. Yeah, he's got the one you. It's it, the pinky is exposed. Yeah, because he definitely has like the the painted coke nail. It's yeah. like the long pinky nail. Yep. And then, yeah. yeah, and that's his. Yeah, and that's his outfit. And, and he's then, got the little goatee. Yeah, and he just is in this one scene. He beats him at billiards. And we never see him again. Nope. That's it. And then he owes him twenty five thousand dollars. And he's like, I'm he gonna send you money. back to. Yeah, I think he did get the watch. Probably. Oh, yeah. But, but I like the watch was real. They sent him back to the back to look at the watch to see if it was real, I guess. And, that was... and then he was like, while you're looking at this watch to pay my $25,000 debt, uh, I have these diamonds also, yeah. by the way. So the whole reason for this billiards game was so he could lose, so he would get sent back to Dr. Lime, who would appraise whether his watch was real, and while he was back there, he would pitch this diamond scheme to this man. And I said... We didn't have an email. We couldn't just make an appointment. Uh, this was the only way. That was wild. Uh, also, we didn't even mention the two henchmen. The henchmen. The two henchmen look like they are from a German electronica band, like from like the 90s or the 80s. Oh, yeah. And the one guy. It's like a black squiggle coming off the side. Yeah, of he's one got eye. crazy makeup. Black tank tops. Yeah, the other one has his like Ray-Bans on all the time and has a sleeveless black shirt on. Um, and, yeah, they... Lots of straps. <laughs> Honestly, it seemed like a, like a queer poly family. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. It's like all of these men have slept together for sure. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, so they all felt like they were in the and same And they're movies. always like making like, they're always making like um, blue steel faces to the yes. sides too. Yes. Yeah, the henchmen were. The henchmen. Yeah. The they henchmen are, are trying mugging. to be as sexy as possible. At yeah, all they times. are mugging at the camera. They are like cozying up to Dr. Lime in the backseat of the limo. It was yeah. all very strange. It was all very strange. Um, but I loved it. I just might. I love that part. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I. Oh, man. And then, so when they are doing the con, I think we both cackled when, like, a bullet ricochets off of Dr. Lime's claw. Yes. And it starts sizzling yes. and sparking. Yeah. And it's short circuits. Short circuits and it's just snapping open and shut. It's insane. Which, like, if you're going to have a weird claw in the movie, he never actually cuts anything with it, so you might as well have it do something weird like that. Yeah, he, like, threatens to cut off his arm or yeah. something when he's reaching for the diamonds in the back of the billiards hall. Yeah, and he, he does not. He does not. Um, I want to back up and talk about Nicolas Cage and the strip joint. Yes. <laughs> um... Because when Joe is, like, trying to ingratiate himself in Uncle Lou's business, he goes around with Eddie, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage, and Eddie picks up his girlfriend, Diane, who is our femme fatale, and um, they pull, like, a simple con successfully at a bar, and then they go to a strip joint, and Nicolas Cage is like, um, I, <laughs> after we rewound it, 
He has to get money from this, like, the owner of the strip club, question His mark? His name is Baby. Whose name is Baby, uh, the Baby, I guess. And he he was like, yeah, he owes, he's missed his last three payments, and so he owes Lou. $1,500. Fifth, I was like, 1500 It's a strip club. He it's, makes that in an that, hour. Yeah. How... How is that? They're talking about it like, I haven't been able to get this 1500 off this guy. And I'm like, pick up the money on the ground and you might get it. Like, it's not that much money. I, so that was very funny to me. That was wild. And also this and is the most. freaking out in the strip club all the time. Yes. I, he, he's in the strip club twice. And both times he's like, I mean, every oh. time. I think the entire time Nicolas Cage was on screen, my mouth was hanging open. Truly, silence. We were both shocked. Mouth hanging open. Also screaming occasionally. <laughs> yes, we would be silent for long periods, and then I would, like, shriek. Yeah. Or you would just start giggling, and <laughs> it was just... <laughs> we didn't know what to do. I did write down, he wrote... Time, or he said, time to kiss the baby! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's just straight up Waluigi for a second. <laughs> he just made this Waluigi noise. Um, oh. And... I just want to put clips of every line that he does in the movie into this podcast. Just everything we everything we say, illustrate with a line, please. Yes. Um, yeah, and then I thought he was doing poppers, but I guess he was doing cocaine in the car. You know, who's to say? Who's to say? We don't know. I Probably both. It might have been both. He might have mixed them, to be honest. <laughs> he was on a lot of... He was very sweaty. He was very sweaty. Very yelly. Yes, he was basically a cartoon character. The oh, part yeah. when he did the, like, aw shucks... When they picked Diana. Oh my oh, god. Oh, it was rough. Full aw shucks. He and he like like stubbed his, his foot against the ground. And like he had he, the flowers behind him and, and he, he was like, like oh, that real fast. Shucks. Like he's a like he's a cartoon character. Seeing like Jessica Rabbit. It was bananas. And everything, and everyone else had to act like he was a real human being. <laughs> like everyone else is playing it real. Honestly, and, props to every other actor in this yeah, movie. Yeah, they did the, they did a lot. They did a lot. They didn't just cackle the entire movie. Yeah, and then there's like Diane is it, this when they sleep together, and I was it was a really long, uh too long, really long, gross sex scene that I had enough of <laughs> it was like okay let's move it along we've seen enough uh yeah we see a lot of boobs in this film um and it just uh oh blanche oh blanche blanche, I love blanche. our favorite character she, so like i said there was two characters that reminded me of scrooged characters mm. and blanche had exactly carol kane's voice yes but, you know, obviously. She was also doing sort of this, like, Betty Boop yeah. kind of voice. I just I just want to know what the direction was for all of these people. Because did they have it, or did he just say, go to town? Everybody was, like, in a different movie. Mm-hmm. She did feel like she and Eddie could be in the same film. Honestly, I was she and Eddie she could and be... Eddie could have been a couple. Yeah? I don't uh, want Eddie to be in a couple with anybody. That's fair. That's fair. Blanche is better than that. Blanche is too cute. Yeah. Blanche and uh, James Coburn, I thought, were all right. Yeah. 
Yeah. She gives him the little cake, and he's oh like, God. oh, are there horses Horses. He said horses. horses. <laughs> yeah, it's his birthday, and she brings out a cake she made herself. And also, like, she is 30 years younger than him, at least. Probably. Yeah. And she's doing this, like, sort of, she's got sort of, like, the 50s housewife uh, look, but her voice is sort of, like... It's very Betty Boop. Very Betty Boop. And, um... And squeaky. She comes out with this cake she made, and it's got, like, little plastic horses on it, and, like, a little, like, icing lake, and yeah. <laughs> she sings him something. She's adorable. Yeah, she doesn't sing the birthday song. Probably one of those... So apparently this isn't true anymore, but uh, they used to not use the birthday song because of like licensing, uh-huh. um, because the family of the person who wrote "Happy Birthday" was very litigious. Wild. But recently, ish, like within the past, I think like within the past ten years or so, there have been rulings that say no "Happy Birthday" is public domain. Thank God. Because I think this poor woman, they were just like, well, you can't sing happy birthday, so you have to make up a birthday song. And, and she just kind of like, happy birthday. It's your birthday and I made you a cake. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> it was incredible. She's very cute. And she she's was. only in that one scene, unfortunately. The entire movie could have been about Blanche. Lived in my heart forever. Um, even if she was only in one. Um... Yeah, and then Eddie's back at the strip club. Again, we see him trying to, like, motorboat, like, a stripper, and... Baby's not having it. Liz is not having it, (laughs) let me tell you. (laughs) I am still on my, I never want to see Nicolas Cage in a sexual situation. This did not change my mind about it. No, his character was so (laughs) gross in this. So, uh, anyway, yeah, Baby was like, "Get, get out of my club. And then Eddie finds out from Baby some stuff that makes him think that... Is this what makes... He makes him think Joe is sleeping with Diane? Yes. Baby says... So we find out Joe just told him he had to shake hands with him outside and that the $1,500 was probably actually Joe's. Yes, because it is such a small amount. He hands it to his uncle in one scene. And it's truly not even a stack. You can't call it a stack. No. And, uh... It's 15 $100 bills. 15 yeah, and he said he is probably at home with your girl right now. And he was. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was. He was. He wasn't. He was. He was. Yeah. He wasn't there when he got there. He wasn't there when he got there because that happened in the motel. Uh-huh. But when he got back and he was at Diane's house, that's when he finds the cigar. Mm-hmm. But now, having watched the movie, that was kind of a mystery. Oh, it was the dad. It was the dad. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense now. Because okay. we were like, was it Lou's? And Eddie thought it was Lou's. Yeah. And so he goes to confront Lou. At some point, I just wrote down, hi fucking ya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> another good one. one. <laughs> um, this is where he kills this mystery Amish man. Um... Yeah, so know. this is where this is where so he goes plot. and he freaks out and he's like crying and like doing that weird thing at uh, oh. Diane's. Yes, he was when he was like seizuring on the bed. Yeah, and then he goes to get Lou. Yeah, and he points the gun at Lou, and this is where we have to talk about yes. we have to talk about the scene. Yes, that might be the grossest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. I wasn't expecting it. I no. wasn't expecting. I will say... So, I mean, they threatened so, the deep fryer, but Right. Several times we heard that. But, so earlier when Eddie cut that man's throat, I, I thought, like, oh, that was a good special effect. Um, he just actually slit that guy's throat. Oh, no. For the character. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's a pretty good special effect for, you know, a non-horror movie. Um, and then we get the scene where, like, I, I don't know, what's, you know, Eddie is yelling at uh, James Coburn, Uncle Lou. Um, he's got the fryer go. He's threatening to, like, deep fry Uncle Lou. And then, <laughs> then Joe tackles, goes to a flying through the window of, like, over the, a stone. Yeah. Yes. And tackles Eddie. And then they're struggling. And Eddie tries to force Joe's head into that hot fryer. And instead... Then Joe overpowers him. And pushes Eddie's face That's where we get him fryer. ripping the wig off? Yes! Oh, I forgot he is wearing a wig in the film. Like, his character's wearing a wig. And he gets yeah. really mad when... He rips the wig Joe off does it. and throws his face and holds his face under in the deep fryer. Fries his face. Fries his face. And they show it to you, man. They pull it... He pulls his head out and his face is melting off. It's so his gross. His eyeballs are melting. <laughs> they throw him in the corner and the camera sits behind his face. So you're watching the scene over his mangled face. It's so gross. It was wild. I have seen... I mean, I've seen stuff like that in horror movies, obviously, but I, again, I looked up and the special effects people on this have are, do a lot of... do a lot of work. I didn't recognize most of their names, but they've been... Uh, like, they, a couple of them worked on, like, the American Horror Stories, you know. Oh, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, that was a wild end to Eddie. And that was With only like halfway through the movie. 40 minutes left. Yeah, there was, like, 40 minutes left. And we were, like, Truly well, disappointing oh. because, man. He breathed that life into the that. the thing keeping me awake in this movie. I know. Because then I was, like, I didn't know where we were. Until Angus Scrim appeared, I was, like, I just want this movie to be over. And then... Then we get Lobster Claw Man, and I was like, I'm back in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But it was, again, to talk about the structure of this film, he was basically our antagonist for most of the film, and then he was gone, and we were like, wait, what now? Yeah. And right after that is when you find out that Uncle Lou and the cake and all that stuff, and it's like, oh, well, I guess we've wrapped up why we're here, so now we'll just do what? Um, So, yeah. This movie is has zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and there are only five reviews. Of it. <laughs> Do you know critics when it came out called it Dreadfall? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, we also learned right before starting this that Deadfall is a type of trap for trapping large prey. I figure that's worth throwing in. Yeah, there. yeah, I think that that was a good name because at the end you find out the whole thing was. A long con by his father, and Uncle Lou gets killed, and, you know, our dude Joe walks away from the money because he feels so used, I guess. He's a con man. He should be used to it. The know. photos of this bo- for this movie are on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. Like, they give you additional photos. It's only different versions of the poster and pictures of Charlie Sheen's character. They, everything I looked at was like Charlie Five minutes. Yeah, Charlie Sheen was like second build. And I was like, when's he showing up? He's truly in five minutes of the film. Yeah, and the poster doesn't have him listed. Yeah. Because he's only in five minutes. And also, I don't think he was as big of a star then. He was, I mean, he he was known. Had he already been in Platoon at that point? Oh, maybe. I think he was a pretty big actor in the early 90s. Yeah. I think that was heartthrob. Charlie Sheen times. He was like, I'm gonna play a fabulous vampire playing billiards in this movie. 
Um, is there an audience score? Yes. Oh, what's the audience score? The audience score is 25%, and there's a thousand plus ratings. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, Red Dawn was an 84. Okay. So, and he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's in that movie? Yeah. Oh, yes, he is. Okay, I yeah, remember. Platoon was 86. So, Charlie okay. Sheen was a big star. Wall Street was 87. He was like yeah. a late 80s, mostly guy. Weird cameo for a famous actor do you think zero percent is fair <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> yeah no i agree i should we talk a little bit about the twist at the end because we've talked about it but we haven't like talked about it i guess yeah so I mean, basically yeah basically there's like his uncle wants to do another version of the con that they were pulling at the beginning that got his father killed. I have questions. Yeah. How did his father know about the Diamond Con? He hadn't been in contact with him for years. I have no idea. Uh, we did already talk about why did he think that the best choice for the femme fatale of this movie was somebody who looked just like his mom. I have no idea. Why did he think that, uh, why did he know that his son wouldn't pull the trigger? You know, why did he innately know what kind of trauma he had inflicted from Why did the he first thing? use cake as the reason to go find him? Yeah, you, yeah. I don't know. All these pieces, it's like, they're trying to do sort of, I mean, obviously this is years later, but like Ocean's Eleven style twist at the end where you're like, ah, we thought they were caught, but the con, they were actually conning all along. This is, they wanted it to go like this. It was a double con. But they weren't pushing all these, like, pieces to make sure it worked. They literally just, like, pushed Joe out. They made him sad because he thought he, his dad was dead. And then they pushed him out into the world and then were hoping that but it would I guess all... they had somebody on the inside because Diane was working for them. But Diane didn't influence any of the, like, businessy decisions. Yeah, she wasn't around for any of that. No. So they're all just, like, hoping that he would do it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like they needed to be enough. Like, Peter Fonda's character should have been, like, there pushing Joe to do certain things, right? Yeah. That would have explained more. But at this point, I was like, there's so many moving parts that I don't understand how he got here. Um, So it was not a satisfying twist because you're like... No, it didn't I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I figure we'll announce the next one now. Yeah. There's a sequel. There's a sequel to this film. film. That did so poorly. And somehow, despite the fact that we saw his face get deep fried off, Nicolas Cage is in this movie. Yep. Um, as his same character. As a crime boss. Crime boss, but with the same name. But it's the same guy. I wonder if we'll get an explanation. I hope not. (laughs) I hope at some point he peels his face off and reveals that it's, like, oh, all scarred. Gross, maybe. Maybe I, he didn't actually die from having his face Honestly, he was melted. still moving. And I remember thinking that we do see them, like, get rid of the body later, but I was... I've seen a, uh, like, a poster now. He doesn't look scarred. And he doesn't look scarred. Right. He just looks I think they old. should have just had him scarred because you could survive that, you know? It would be horrible, but be you horrible. Could. You'd be blind, but... I think you could survive having your face deep fried unless Ugh. you drowned. <laughs> you just wouldn't want to. No. No. That was... And yeah. his face was under for a while. Maybe he drowned. 
Like, you would definitely be inhaling hot That's oil true. into your lungs. That's true. You'd be breathing it in. That would do it. Yeah. All right. Um, but well, yeah, he's alive. He's somehow. alive. So we're going to watch 2017. Is that what it's from? Yep. Arsenal. 20- different writer, different director. I don't know who saw Deadfall and was like, we should make another one of these. This guy was like, I love that movie. Deadfall is great. Let's bring back Eddie. Uh, Honestly, this is my prediction. Have, knowing nothing else about this film. Uh, my prediction is that it's totally unrelated to this film. That it was just a crime film, and the guy direct, writing or directing it wanted to have, like, use the character of Eddie. Yeah. And put him into this other film, with, and that's it. Could be. I think that's probably the direction it's John Cusack in. is in it. That's the other thing I oh, know. Oh, yeah, John Cusack's in it. That's two movies with John Cusack and Nicolas Cage, at least. They're in four movies together. Wow. Yeah. Do you think they're friends? No. Do you think John Cusack is like, God damn it, another movie with Nicolas Cage <laughs> yeah. every time? <laughs> I just, honestly... We know he didn't have fun with Con Air. No. Honestly, I couldn't... And the reason I think they're not friends is because of John Cusack. He seems... Like a dick. He seems very standoffish and strange, and I just can't imagine him being friendly with him. <laughs> well, and we talked about, I think, the fun fact of um, Con Air, where... Um, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, in an interview with the How Did This Get Made folks, they asked him who he who was, like, the weirdest, and he said John Cusack had, like, dead eyes. Dead eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was the most frightening. Yeah. I just can't picture set. him. I can picture Nick Cage relaxing and having a drink with someone. I John can't picture Cusack John Cusack doing it. Just kind of uptight. Yeah. Just uptight and a little weird. And I, yeah, I don't think they could do it. Um, but yeah, he's going to be in that movie, I guess. We're going to watch it. <laughs> We're going to watch it. We'll tell you how it is as Yeah, we do. so that's Deadfall. Would you uh, recommend it? This movie? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's hard because there's some You don't need it. to watch it. Yeah. But you do need to go on YouTube and look up all of the clips of the Claw Man. Yeah. And maybe Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And definitely Nicolas Cage. And Blanche. And Blanche. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if all of those things exist on YouTube. We're going to find like out. Just watch a highlight reel of, of this movie. There needs and to be a, sh- there needs to be a 20 minute version of this movie. Yes. Because like all the plot stuff is really hard to follow. It's not fun. It's, it's drags. And like I said, I like Michael Bean. He's not good in this film. But, I mean, like, part of that is just the character is whatever. Yeah. Is whatever. And it's not the right part for him. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't recommend watching this film, I guess. Um, but there's some fun stuff in it. All right. We're going to close with Inside the Cage. Inside the Cage. It's time for Inside the Cage. I love it. Thank you. That's my Blanche that impression. <laughs> um, really exciting news. Especially for me. <laughs> because one of my favorite directors is involved in this news. Um, it's been announced that Nicolas Cage is going to be starring in an A24 film that is going to be produced by Ari Aster. Uh, Directed by a Norwegian director. Yes. And it's a comedy. It's a comedy. And that's all we know. Yeah, that's all we know so far. But oh, And we know the title. It's Dream Scenario. So many of my, like, uh, favorite words are in that, you know. All two of your favorite words. <laughs> A24. 
Ari oh, that Aster, dream scenario. Nicholas Cage, dreams, <laughs> <laughs> comedy, all these things. It's like, you know that trend where people will say their partner's favorite words on a phone, a pretend phone call? I've only heard that for dogs. Is it partners? <laughs> people are doing it with their, like, partners now. Yeah. Um, where they'll be on the phone and their wife or husband's in the background and they'll, like, say all their favorite things. And then they'll be watching, like, Wait, what are you, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? And that's me. Somebody <laughs> describing this is just like, Ari yeah, Aster. yeah, Nicolas Cage. Um, yeah, no, Ari Aster's producing it for A24. And I'm just in the background, like, wait, wait, what, 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 what was that? What is that called? What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, we're, we're both, mm-hmm. we're both excited. You know we'll be reviewing it when it comes out. Yeah. And, uh, telling you all about it. Which I, I know that Ari Aster is producing another film, um, that's coming out soon. Uh, but I've never seen, I mean, this is, I think, new, new for him. It's yeah. producing. So I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. Should be fun. So that's all we have for you this time. Woo. We will uh, talk to you later about Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just fingers crossed that it is better than I, Dreadful. It's, it's a sequel. Yeah, so my yeah. hopes are not high. No. But we will have more Eddie, so. Yeah, that's, that's what we need. All right. All right. Keep it cagey, folks. Bye. Bye.